0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Hello and welcome, and this is Cindy Meyer, your weekly radio show host of the Spirit Seeker Hour, brought to you by Spirit Seeker Magazine. Spirit Seeker Magazine started as a quarterly newsletter and then um, expanded into a six-time-a-year um, publication in 1997, and then in 2002 we became a monthly uh, publication. So the print magazine can be found in the Midwest and in West Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, so you can find us in Chicago, St. Louis, Kansas City, um, and um West Palm Beach and then uh, in addition we've been published online since 1998 we have a weekly email newsletter that lets you know about who the guests will be on the radio show what articles are in uh, the magazine each month and what um, when it is online so that you can read the digital edition we have a lot online um, in the magazine that is not in the print magazine so there's a monthly astrology written by um, a wise wise man in the Himalayan mountains of India and so it's Vedic astrology, which is just a little bit different um, than traditional astrology, and it is always, always spot on. So you can read the magazine at spiritseeker.com. In addition, we are a sponsor of many mind, body, spirit events throughout the United States. You will find us um, coming up the first weekend of June. We will be at the Body, Mind, Spirit Expo in Chicago. We will have a booth, and I will be doing readings at the booth. Um, but also handing out magazines and just um, embracing the Chicago community. Um, the next weekend we will be at the Celebrate Your Life conference. We will not have a booth, but Spirit Seeker magazine will be in each and every bag that is handed out uh, to the attendees, but I will be um, attending with a friend and uh, I always make new friends at that conference. It's just wonderful. So that is really, um, and I just want to mention a couple of other things and then I'm going to bring my guest on. Uh, If you are in St. Louis, I will be teaching a feng shui class. um, That will be coming up in June on uh, June 23rd. And um, I am developing my classes to be teaching them online quite soon. Um, But for right now, that June 23rd class is from 9.30 until 11.30 um, at Cheryl's Herbs. So that is all I wanted to announce other than to join um, our email newsletter. Just send us an email to info, I-N-F-O, at spiritseeker.com, asking to be added to our email list. Um, We will not spam you. We do not sell our list. It's sacrosanct. You will only get emails from Spirit Seeker and people that we allow to promote their events on our email list. Um, One of the benefits and perks of being an email subscriber, however, is as follows. We do drawings for books, for DVDs, for CDs, for um, tickets to different events. We really are very blessed. Every day when I go to the mailbox, there's something new um, coming from, you know, somewhere we get Divination cards. We, we get we just get samples of so many wonderful things, um, offerings from the mind body spirit national and even international community. So we do regular drawings, and um, you are eligible for that if you are on our email list. Okay, so that is it for announcements. Now I want to tell you about my guest before I bring her on. Um, Sa- Sandra Ray is a teacher, a mother, a writer, and an animal lover. She believes strongly in the power of stories and helping children find their own voices early in life through the written word. She lives in a sprawling old house in the Houston Heights with her daughter, her daughter's fiance and a uh, a changing number of dogs and cats. She teaches elementary school in the Houston public school system and conducts private writing workshops for children out of her home she has written and published some personal essays over the year Wilhelmina's quest is her first published book so we are going to be hearing about um the Wilhelmina's quest and it is the winner of the 2017 mom's choice awards for excellence um silver medal uh, award so I'm going to bring Sandra uh on Sandra are you there
0: yes I'm here
1: okay Oh, my goodness. So, Sandra, um, I I I grew up, um, I'm in my early 60s, and I grew up with a, a library card from the time I was probably, I don't even know, I was very little. Um, my older brother and I were often, times were very different, remember, by my age. Uh, we were dropped off at the library on Saturdays and picked up two or three hours later. So we grew up surrounded by books and they would there would be free movies in the auditorium and um i mean i just have always been a lover of books so i am curious like were you what were you like as a child did you have a vivid imagination or just tell me your relationship with books because i could feel it through your book (laughs) but go ahead
0: well i'm uh, you could be my you could be my sister so as far as what you're talking about, your age and and going to the library, one of my um, dearest family friends was a librarian at our local branch of the library, and she also would run the bookmobile. and um, And I stayed with her and her children. She babysat me often, so i I had a really I had a, a very strong connection to the to the library and to books. My mother was a teacher. Um, she loved books. Uh, I, I started write, making books when I was, I think, seven or eight. As soon as I could read and write, I started making little books. And back in those days, you really weren't encouraged to do that. We do that all the time now in education, or I do. I mean, I I give children, they they uh, make these things called blank white books that you can buy, and they're just a blank white book with empty pages. And you can give it to children, and they can publish their own little story in it so times have changed but i was doing that out of cardboard and stapling and taping pages together when i was seven
1: and eight years old
0: yeah i love i I, I i've always loved to read
1: always well, and you can tell it through this book. And I, I just thought, oh, I can't wait to just ask, what was she like as a child? Because, you know, when we when we moved to a different house, there wasn't a library close by, but the bookmobile would come, and it was a mile to walk to it. Um, but all summer long, you know, it came every other week, all summer long, I would be at the bookmobile walk, and I'd come back with my stack. I think they wanted to let you have more than ten books. And I would walk home with my stack of books, and th- that's how I lived. I, I would I – would, um, put a towel or something underneath my door because my room was across from my parents and so I would block the light so they wouldn't know that I was reading <laughs> cuz I would get, sleep was not important to me I just loved my books.
0: Yeah, I was a real bookworm. I I used to hang over my mother's shoulder and read whatever she was reading and she didn't she didn't stop me from doing that. And sometimes it it probably wasn't even appropriate but um <laughs> I just read constantly all the time and she yeah, never well, censored anything I read. She she taught middle school. And so when I was little, I was reading the books that the middle schoolers were reading. I was always in a book, always.
1: Oh my gosh. Well, I have not written a book yet, but I um that's on my definite definite thing and it just keeps showing up a lot and you know it's funny i mean publishing i work with authors you know and i've done so for 22 years and i just have such an appreciation um for authors but but your book the you know will quest this is this the very first book that you wrote and then there's the series that came out of it or uh, tell us just a little bit like how this came to be
0: Well, Wilhelmina's Quest is the first in what's turning out to be a series. I'm working – I'm almost – I'm kind of finishing up the sixth one right now. But the first one is um, – I guess I started writing it, I want to say, in January of 2016. And it really wasn't even a story at the time. It was just me free-writing this this, – This land of bleak was something that came up 20 years ago for me in a personal vision after Princess Diana was killed so tragically. I just saw her two little boys wandering across this this desolate plain, an endless desolate plain, because they were motherless. And I could relate to that because I lost my mother when I was about Wilhelmina's age or however old we think she is, which I think she's probably about 12. So... um, I, I just, I had that vision, and it has stayed with me all these all these decades, and I found myself writing January of 2016, I think, and it just started to flow, and where there wasn't a beginning, a middle, or an end, there started to be a, a beginning, a middle, and an end, because you know, every story has to have a shape like that, so um, I, I started to get really serious about it, and and it just started to flow. It, what, it was it was painful, but it was uh, on the other hand, it 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 um it wanted to be written. It forced itself on me, and I've I've been writing every ever since. And I never know what's going to happen when I sit down to write in Bleak, but something always comes up. It's been the be- the greatest gift, really, because I've written a lot of personal essay. But I've never written fiction like, I, well, I've tried to write fiction, but I would say it wasn't any good, in my personal opinion. But um, this particular fiction I just love, and it's, it's just been such a gift for me. The biggest gift well, is when a little yeah. girl comes up to me and tells me that she loves Wilhelmina, and she clutches the book to her heart. That has been uh, such a surprising yeah. I mean, it, when someone tells me that they love Wilhelmina, it's just such a surprising gift that I never expected.
1: It's it's really well,
0: it's really precious.
1: I mean, you know, uh, the story is, um, you know, it touches all ages. I mean, I'm an adult reading it, and I'm I'm like captivated, you know. And it's I could just see a little girl reading this and just taking it to heart, just like you just described. And um yeah it's really you know, it's a blessing, yeah, so how interesting that it came out of the time after Diana uh died, because you know we with prince Prince Harry getting married, um they're showing a lot of clips of that time, and um, and I just saw like a movie that they made you know it's it's not real, but it's about um his his you know fiance and him, and they uh for her to- her mother says. Um, the mother of fiance says, I, I remember what it was like for him. You don't remember, but I remember and then they show the picture of him right there with his mother right there, you know, the and um, you know, following the funeral procession. And, you know, that was such a tragic time for all of us when Diana died.
0: Yeah, those images were real they really captured your imagination. They did mine. And mm-hmm. that's that's when the whole vision of bleak was was born and it never really left me alone. So
1: it's the perfect name, bleak. You know, it's yes. the land of bleak. So um so how did Wilhelmina come to be? You know, I mean just just tell us how this all happened. Anything you want to share because um I love the name the land of bleak. It just says it all. Like, you know, like you know, there's this word called onomatopoeia that like they call the sun the gloman when it's setting. So to me the land yeah. of bleak is like an onomatopoeia. You just know what it means when you hear it. Well,
0: that's funny because when um Satyama was interested in, in helping me publish it, they I had I had named it the land of bleak and they just they totally balked at that. they, they were like, Oh no, that's too dark. So it's interesting that you like it but and i've had I had a little sixth grader tell me that she loved bleak. She didn't know why, but she just loved the setting of bleak and so you know people have different reactions but I guess that Wilhelmina how did Wilhelmina come along Wilhelmina is is um she is not she I, I don't want to overly psychologize her. She just she just arose in my imagination. She's someone that I, I really admire. Um, and she just wanted to be written. Yeah. So I started writing her. And she's really well, she really is the, the heroine or the hero that lives in all of us. Because the story of Bleak, the Wilhelmina's quest is all about facing adversity and and trudging through it. And um, she's, she's a figure of nobility and courage and redemption. And then I um, after I had written it, I was reading a Jungian psychologist, Robert Romaneson, and he talked about the archetype of the orphan. And I thought, oh, my God, Wilhelmina is the orphan. She's a figure of grace who would meet you in your darkest hour and guide you home. And that's what we're all looking for. Mhm.
1: Awesome. Yes. I mean, and, you know, it's interesting because, you know, Carl Jung was so big with, um, you know, the dreams and the um, symbology of dreams. And, of course, as you know, since you wrote it in this book, Wilhelmina has these dreams and she totally trusts them.
0: Yes, because I, I, I very much trust them too. And the characters that she meets the animal um, characters that she meets are all dream figures. They all came out of my dreams. So I, I really do pay attention to that. And that's one of the things that I really believe in as far as teaching children to write. If, if they start talking about or writing about a dream, I encourage them to do that because I feel like that in our society today that we're just, we're shutting off. Everyone, children included from their inner life, and we need to and that's what writing for me is all about is it is is the way of bringing to expression your rich inner life which is which is just endless you know so right um,
1: well, and you know you're right with every with the way society is um I don't I, you know I don't want to be negative, but yet I know exactly of what you're speaking, and children are not encouraged to have that vivid imagination or um to 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 go into those realms you know they're everything is very straightforward and don't be silly and um you know, but it's not encouraged anymore to have that creativity and imagination.
0: Well, they all start out loving to draw and do anything artistic like that. They all, they all love to do that, but they lose that somewhere along the way, I guess with their, you know, energy or whatever. But, but if you can teach them to write, if you can put a pencil in their hand and give them a journal and, and, and convince them that they, can, that they can be writers, then they will never lose that. They just never will.
1: So for you, not knowing that you were actually going to write a book, but then all of a sudden it just comes pouring out of you, what um, mm-hmm. uh, what would you say, Sandra, is like the the biggest gift personally that you learned or, or what came out of you writing this book?
0: Oh, it's all been, it's just been such a gift. It really has. I mean, who doesn't want to write a book and see it published? I mean, especially if you're a bookworm. It's um, it's it's just been, it's just been every every aspect of it has been a gift. It's been hard. It wasn't easy. It's like it's. I tell people it's like having a baby and giving birth, and and it really is kind of like that. It's metaphorically having a baby. But I guess like I told you, when someone when a little girl comes up to me and tells me how much she loves Wilhelmina, and then I had one little girl actually hug the to her heart um, because she didn't want to give it to me even to sign it even for a minute she just <laughs> held it you know it was like it, it, it's like telling me that they love me and in a way that is so authentic that I, I never I never could have expected that it's been a really nice surprise
1: what a nice gift and confirmation that you know this this book is just touching so many lives and you know, did not even want to give you the book to sign, she didn't want to part with it. I mean, how adorable is that?
0: Just it was so cute. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, um, so the characters—do they? How did the other characters come to be? And do you? Do you? I, the, I don't even know. I, I, but I'm going to ask. Do you? Do you have a favorite character of all the different characters?
0: Oh, that would be like asking a mother to choose between the children. <laughs> so, you know, um, there are so many. And right, right now, I mean, I would have to think about. I love Gore and Merluz the Fairy and Prince Oliver and the Dog Claw. They all came from my dreams. But right now, I'm 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 way off in a different book that I'm finishing up. And there's a land tortoise named Thomas. And he speaks with kind of a Spanish accent. And there's this wild man who's emerged, who I absolutely love. And maybe if we get a chance, I can read you a chapter from that from that book about the wild man. He's he's so wild. He's just he he's overgrown with hair. He doesn't speak. He walks kind of like a a gorilla would, with one fist to the ground. And he's he's you know he's just completely primal and wild and. He's devoted to Wilhelmina. So um, there are there are new characters coming up all the time. I love the Land Tortoise because he carries his home on his back. And so that's his safe place. And I just love that, that he carries his safe place around with him on his back. So that was that was um something that I spent a lot of time with too. So I don't I, I can't say that I have a favorite character, but I guess Wilhelmina is my favorite character because I just love her her courage and how she never gives up in the face of adversity. I just love that. But as far as the other characters go, I spend different amounts of time with them at, at different times. So I don't think I could tell you which one I love the most.
1: Right now, I'm really I, loving The Wild Man. Yeah. Well, we'll have time uh, to have you read a chapter from that. I mean, i just like to talk about gore because... Um gore. I love
0: Gore. Oh, my
1: God. Oh, I know. Same here. Same here. I was just like, oh, he's wounded, and, you know, they heal him, and but and they know that that's a magic horn. You know, I don't want to give too much away, but, but, but I mean, I, you know, it's okay, I think. But it's like you brought in the magic of the animals and then the exchange um, between the animals and, you know, Wilhelmina, and how initially, I loved how it was just by the eyes they communicated with the eyes because you know they talk about in the land of bleak is you know the winds are so strong it can knock the thoughts right out of your head i, th- I thought that mm-hmm. was so yeah i thought oh what a beautiful way to describe that but then here are these this unusual crew the prairie dogs and everyone you know as they go on this little journey and of course our special fairy and it's like there's compassion there is kindness caring i mean I mean, it's so many things. I hope
0: so. I hope so. I love Gore, and I, I was criticized by one editor who was, who was I guess, doing me the favor of editing the book after, it had, after we had pretty much finished going over the rewrites. And she said, why did she kill off the rhinoceros? He was the most interesting character of them all. And I thought, oh, my gosh, she doesn't get it at all. You know? Right.
1: Right, I mean that was the that was the whole thing. He went off so that he would not put anyone else in harm's way. And I mean, there's so many layers to this book. Um, so, uh, you know, what age group? I would think this would appeal to all age groups.
0: I think it does. Like I said, um, this this was a real challenge for us when we were first talking about how we would market the book and all that all that talk about marketing I, I don't i I just don't like to even talk about it, but you have to and um I was told that we should target it for like ages twelve and up, but the little kids liked it too so and then grown ups liked it too, and like I said before this is this story is for anybody who has a i mean it can be for eight year olds anybody who who can read and i I even have second graders who are who at the beginning of the year were very precocious readers and they could read it. The only thing is, is that some of the, some of the the harder um, scenes like Gore's death. I know I'm probably giving that away, but he does die. Um, might be a little overwhelming. So a parent would maybe need to be involved with that, with that choice of whether a child should read that or not. The famous mythologist, Joseph Campbell said that that we should not water down our fairy tales that we should we should keep the violence in them because they provide like a matrix with their with with by by giving us a story that holds all of these things children can can understand and cope and hold these difficult concepts because of the story you know so i i think that the story is really for everyone but you know, parents should always have a say-so about what their child is re- – they should know what their child is reading. If it's too upsetting for them, then, you know, obviously you don't want to traumatize a child. But really it is for everyone, including the child that
1: lives within every adult
0: too, which is why you you responded to it the way you did.
1: Oh, because I, was you have, a, I was there. I was there in my – you know, I mean, I – I could I could imagine what Bleak felt like, looked like. I could feel the wind. I could feel the darkness. And the little fairy who's, you know, fading because she has to have the color of the flowers and she has to be able to flit around and she can't because of her broken wing. And, I mean, just, you know, everything that happened with her, you know, like when they thought she was dead and then she wasn't, you know, but it was in yeah. the dream that she was told, go back. She's not dead. And yes. they are they trusted yes. and they took a risk going back. Because you know, you know they, the 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 bad person was looking for gore, and so they took a risk in in going back. But they did. It was like such trust, such devotion, such um, well, just just magical.
0: Yeah, it's like I said. It's um, I think everyone has a hero or a heroine that lives within them, and I, that's what this story is about. And we all have to go, we all have to trudge through bleak at point in our lives. A life that is not lived partly in the fire is no life. Or I guess, what do they say about the unexamined life is worth living. And and if you're going to live the examined life, you must go through the fire. You must walk through bleak. Everybody.
1: You know? I've heard it put differently, but I like the way you just described it. I've I've heard that, you know, sometimes the children who have total idyllic childhoods, and then when they hit middle age and it's no longer idyllic and they're like what they're not prepared for it you know and mm-hmm. um and then other other people who have this whole charmed life and then they hit you know middle to to late age and they're just like devastated with how how things are not as they imagined but 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 i like how you said you know with the uh the unexamined life and um so so this story really I mean I could see mother, you know, not just mothers, parents and children reading this together. I mean, it just felt like it would be like one chapter for each night perhaps. Um, that, read it out loud. That would and, be lovely. Yeah, I mean, can't you see that, but I also can see your this being read like, you know, in groups in a classroom, you know, when they have story time and you know, um I can just see a lot of different ways um for this to be shared with children. So was there something in your background, Sandra, that, um, I mean, I know you, you you mentioned, you know, after Princess Diana died and, you know, you felt that, um, felt what her sons were feeling and so many of us in a different way, but was there something in your childhood that made you capable of going this deeply and writing this?
0: Well, like I said, I lost my mother tragically when I was 12, and so, I'm a motherless child like Wilhelmina and okay. I guess that while I say that this book is for everyone it's it's very pointedly for mother for motherless children and they come in all ages you know from from 2 to 62 if you're a motherless child you know who you are there's nothing there's nothing like being a motherless child nothing so that right. that's what what this really arose out of—it's very difficult to lose your mother when you're a child.
1: Yeah, I mean, no matter no matter what, when someone talks of it, you can just see it, you know. Like when they describe it, I mean, someone can be in their 60s describing, you know, or 70s describing at age 12 when they lost their mother, and you know, you could just feel it. And you know, I think with Facebook, social media. There's even more of that where people post a picture of their mom and they say she would have been 82 today, or she would have been this yeah. today. And I think I think it's changed our awareness of um, the depth of, of feelings in so many ways, especially for our mother or our father. But um, so I know your book. This book has won awards. Would you like to share just a little bit about the awards that it's received?
0: Well. It- won the mom's choice and that was really exciting. That was right after it came out and what was funny about that was that they they accused it of being weird and quirky. And like and I was I was told that and I was like, Okay, and your point because I don't mind weird and quirky. That's that's kind of like a compliment to me. But they were saying it like it wasn't a good thing. <laughs> you know? But I, I <laughs> thought it just... was funny. I, they need to go to the land of break. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Of course it's weird and quirky. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. I like I, I'm very I'm very gratified that they gave me that award. I love um putting that sticker on the cover. And um and I think I'm up for another award but um it's the C O V R award. So I'll find out about that in June. I'm going to Denver in June. So, that, so Great. um yeah, I'll find out about that's, that. Then that's
1: wonderful. Well, I hope that you um, that you receive yet another award because you know this this book is fabulous. And then I, you know, I just can't believe there's five more after it. Um, so let's hear. Would you mind reading a passage from your new book? And would you like to tell us just a little bit about the other books?
0: Okay. Um, well, I'm not going to give too much away, but. I really can't give very much away at all because the ending of the first book is how Wilhelmina discovers what her, what, what her purpose is. So I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil that. Okay. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to go into what she, what the other books are exactly about, but I would like to read this one chapter of the book that I'm working on now. Um, it's about. The, it, it has to do with the wild man that I explained to you before. He's very wild. He doesn't speak, but he knows things. He knows how to find wood. He knows how to. He's very instinct, instinctual. He knows how to find water, which is very scarce and bleak. And he just he just knows things at a very instinctive level. He's got bushy eyebrows. He's got wild hair. He wears a dirty loincloth and he walks by putting one fist to the ground like a gorilla would. So that's my preamble to that. So I will read you this chapter, if it's okay with you. Yes, perfect. Oh, I want to also preface this by saying that in bleak, the sky is always overcast, but it never rains or snows. But in this book, in book six, they are experiencing a 1,000-year flood. Because here in Houston, in August last year, Last August, we experienced this terrible flood. It was called Harvey. Maybe you heard of it. And I just felt like I had to write in a flood because there was nothing like that experience. So in this particular book, Bleak is experiencing, first I was going to call it a 500-year flood, and then I thought, no, I'm going to call it a 1,000-year flood. So anyway, okay, here we go. Okay. Wilhelmina, Donovan the duck, and the wild man are sheltered under the overhang of a large boulder they have found in a wide space in the mountain path. The wild man has found wood again, astoundingly, though wood and water are not as difficult to come by in the mountains as they are on the plain. Still, they are never plentiful, and Wilhelmina is grateful to have a fire. She is even more grateful for her friends, these new friends, whose presence she never could have foreseen, Yet here they all are together, and she couldn't ask for more in the way of companionship. She has become quite attached to them both, but particularly the wild man has stolen her pure heart. She cannot say why. She loves him profoundly. What suffering he has been through. She cannot even guess at the magnitude of it. Eons it's been. More years than anyone can count has he been in the land of bleak. She would know more of him, his story. For Wilhelmina, and maybe for you, too, story is everything. But she knows she must be patient. Without patience, nothing unfolds as it should, especially a story. Wilhelmina sits across the cozy fire from the wild man. The duck dozes peacefully, his head turned backwards, his bill nestled in the feathers of his back, the rain has stopped for the time being, and, of course, the wild man doesn't speak, not with words, anyway. But his eyes are so expressive. Wilhelmina thinks she can see his whole story there. She has glimpsed part of it through the magic of the horn. She would know more. For now, it is enough just to be with him. There is the warmth of the fire, the security of the little camp. It is as close to a home as they may get for now. Wilhelmina finds herself filling the silence with a song. It is a mournful little tune, and she knows not where it comes from. She sings it sweetly and purely with the high, clear voice that only belongs to the girl with the pure heart. It goes like this, though I cannot do its beauty justice the way Wilhelmina sings it. Where is home, lost and alone, on a barren plain without a name? Wanderers are we, as far as the eye can see. Alone, we yearn not to be so alone for home. The wild man gazes at her with that almost brutally honest way that he has about him. And then the strangest thing occurs. He opens his mouth and howls, and a tear runs down his cheek. The sound of it is most unnerving, quite unearthly. Wilhelmina stops her song abruptly and just looks on as the wild man howls out his sorrow. It is nothing she would interrupt, but it is difficult to witness. The duck Donovan comes awake with a start and momentarily quacks his dismay. Then he is silent, struck dumb, as is Wilhelmina, in the face of such a thing. Presently, the wild man quiets himself, and it is still around the little camp once again. Wilhelmina cannot be sure, but she thinks she perceives a certain new calm about her strange new friend. He seems ever so slightly less wild, she thinks, but it could just be her imagination. Truly, he is a mystery. And that's the end of that chapter
1: uh, so listeners you now have a taste a tiny taste of um, Sandra's writing style and how she weaves her story um, it, it's, it's magic it's magic and um, that's beautiful thank you for sharing that with us I, I,
0: just, I just love that chapter thank you for listening
1: oh, no, 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 we we are in gratitude to you. And um, so, you know, I don't even know what to ask you next. I mean, that was, I'm still in that story. Um, but I do want to ask about stories, about um, encouraging children to write their story. We've touched on it briefly, um, but you've worked with children a lot now and, Having grown up with a mother who totally, totally supported you in expanding your mind at a very young age through the, the art of reading and, and stories, let's talk about stories and how important our story is and for children especially.
0: I think story is everything. I mean, it's, it's just, I, I think it, it's what separates us from the beasts. Everything is about story. I have... Um, what I do with children is they come, I always do a read aloud with them almost on a daily basis, and I have them write. And even in, in the very beginning, they come into my classroom, and they're, they're like, they open the journal that I give them, and it's all just a blank page. And they're like, I don't know what to write. And I just tell them, whatever thought pops into your head, let it travel down your arm through your hand, through your fingers, through your pencil, and onto the page. Whatever pops into your head goes through you like that and onto the page. Just put some words on the page. And I don't judge anything. Um, I, don't, I don't correct anything for spelling. And they're, and they're so often so concerned already at that young age. I don't know how to spell this word. And I'm like, it's okay. Try to spell it the best way you know how. And it's just amazing. I have by the time we get to Christmas, I have writers in my classroom. It, it happens every year. Even even the, the children who are basically pre-literate. I know that sounds crazy, and it, it and it's really astonishing. But they can write with invented writing and spelling
1: when they can't even
0: really read li- um, very literately. You know, so. I like to encourage story I like to encourage th- their imaginations. I like to just let them go and not um not try to rein them in or judge them. You know because as 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 writers we all will develop that inner editor that kind of sits on your shoulder soon enough telling you, you know, you're no good. You can't you can't write. That's not a good word, you know. That's what why so many writers complain about about writer's block because they have that inner editor trying to tell them that they can't do what they know that they they do know how to do. Does that make sense?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um I you know, many years ago I came across Julia Cameron and The Artist's Way. Um and yes. and The Artist's Way evolved out of um, she never really planned on writing that book i don 't know if you know that I interviewed her once, and she um, she developed this with with a friend and then uh, I mean I think it was her fiance and then he said, "You need to take that and make it into a book and what what the book does is you the first assignment is to go pick out a beautiful journal you know normally you 're an adult when you find your way to a book because I can remember um I had to go um, away for a month. To do the work that I was doing for a, a deep, deep personal growth seminar, it was in 1994. So I, you know, had to leave. You know, it was a choice, but you know, in order for me to bring the deep personal growth seminars um, to my area, I had to go. And we were processed, and you know, you get the, we did breathwork, all kinds of stuff to get to the deeper stuff, so that you would be able to facilitate others in doing that. So right before I left, I found out about um, The Artist's Way. Couldn't find it anywhere in St. Louis, but found it in this little tiny bookstore in Woodbury, Connecticut. And so you did your morning pages, and you were not allowed. Yes. Um, it was suggested you did not talk to anyone before you had started the pages, and so it had written your pages. So I was in a communal house renting a room, an old farmhouse, and there were, I think, six of us living in the house, and everyone understood, and so they would nod to me when I came into the kitchen to get my coffee or tea in the morning, and no one engaged because they knew she needed to write her pages. And one of the first assignments, you know, as you started, was remember a time when you were, like, doing something musically, and someone made fun of you, or you know just they they said whoa or you know you were singing and you know so they went through all the artistic uh things singing um you know dancing writing all the different things where someone stopped you by um by what you're just describing i don't know how to spell it spell it to the best you can it doesn't it just just write it do the best you know and i think yes. i think that that inner perfectionist or that critic when we're criticized and we have that woundedness memory with it and then i mean how many times have people been squelched from that
0: yeah and it and it shuts down the the inner life which is everything mm-hmm. and i love julia cameron i do and she's funny oh. because i saw her oh i don't know how many years ago she will allow you to go get your cup of coffee before you do your morning pages <laughs>
1: She will or she won't. I
0: remember her. She will. You may okay. have your coffee
1: before you do your morning
0: yeah. pages. I thought oh, she was, she, was, she so was a riot. She was good.
1: Yeah. Well, and it was such a transformative time in my life. I was going through a divorce, and, you know, my lawyer was yelling at me saying, you can't leave your children. You can't do that right now. You know, this is going to be looked at as abandonment. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. If I don't go, I can't do the work that I'm being called to do. And and so then yeah. he's like, well, you know, when can you come back? And I looked at my calendar, and the time in the program was May 18th, and – um that's interesting. That's tomorrow, isn't it? And uh, this is yeah. in 1994. And so the lawyer's like, well, I can't represent you that day. I already have, you know, like a, a court case. He says, you'll have to have my son. And I'm like, great. I like this son better than him anyway. And um, his son and I shared the same birthday. I know, so it was all lined up, right? But, you know, I mean, it was just one of those things where full faith, just like, you know, Wilhelmina with her dreams, you know, it was just something I knew you know soul level work this lifetime i knew i just knew i had to do it and then when i um you know to be there for a month and have the artist way with me every step from the day one it was just it was just quite profound you know just quite profound yeah.
0: you talk about that inner knowing and that that's we all have that we have that that gut inner knowing and and yet so many of us can't hear it are cut off from it or we ignore it when it speaks to us right. so't I, yeah. I, I think that by writing will Amina have I have just made that much more accessible for myself, that inner knowing and, and knowing that I'm on the right path that I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing you know, and it's such a it's such a gift to be able to live your life that way
1: Well, you know Sandra, would you um, just? Like a little snippet, just like reviewing uh, the children that you've worked with and encouraging them to be writers, you know if if one particular child comes to mind with with their writing story, um, just would you share that I mean we already have had a little bird's eye view into you as a child getting the pieces of cardboard and making your pages and putting that book together so lovingly you know and now now starting with children with this white journal where you know they get to create their story but is there a story you know that you're just like, oh, this is what this is all about?
0: Oh, I'm trying to think. Well, I'm thinking of um, one of my students. I don't want to say his name. He's not my student now. He's gone on to another grade, but um, he had very severe learning disabilities. He had no long. He 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 couldn't keep things. I don't know if it was his short term or his long term memory but he couldn't read because of this memory obstruction that he had very, he was, um, his parents were Hispanic and didn't speak English and they, they, they were living in poverty and uh, he had to go with a special ed teacher every day and nobody really held out very much hope for him. And finally by Christmas, I looked at his journal, and he was writing prolifically. I mean, it was. It, I don't know if somebody who wasn't a second grade teacher could have read that, but I could. And and he was expressing himself, and yet he could barely read. And it was very moving to me. That that's one story I have. Most of my little writers that come to me in uh, for the private work here at my home um, are very intelligent they come from um very supportive higher socioeconomic situations at home you know they're they're very they they come from very blessed circumstances and they're 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 excellent writers and i feel very privileged to be able to work with them and i love to sit with them and read and and write with them myself when they're here at my house so but but the story of the little boy in my classroom that I was telling you is it, it kind of touched me a little bit more because for a child like that to be able to feel so confident about being able to fill up his journal, there was just something very moving about that.
1: Yeah, when you know, he like when he quick. couldn't even read, right. It just brings back memories. This is totally different, but, but similar in a different way. Um, my oldest son, who's now in his 30s, um, that same, that 1994, that year, um, he was in kindergarten, I guess, that year. And um, they did away with teacher's assistance. And so there were 23 students in the class with one kindergarten teacher, which was, you know, really not a good situation, and so when he hit first grade, we went to a different school because we, were you know, we moved and um, we're living in a different space. And I was a single parent, and I have these two kids, and I didn't know, I did not know until he had first grade that he had a terrible reading problem, and um, and his father had dyslexia, his aunt had dyslexia, his older sister had dyslexia, but that wasn't and what was wrong with him. That's very yeah. It was yeah. I mean, it's have common dyslexia. Okay. Well, he wasn't taking notes. It is very
0: hereditary,
1: right? And so, interestingly enough, by us changing schools, there was this teacher who was working on her masters, and she picked ten children, and those ten children she worked with. um, They went to special classes with her, and they would he would come home with his little, you know, like Ziploc baggie with the words, and then he would have to put them together to create sentences. And I remember practicing Uh with him and working with him. And then at the end, he had gone so far, like she got to pick two students to take to her university where her master's program was and have them – present their cases, you know, like like how where they started and where they were at the end. And I remember her giving him a McDonald's gift certificate as a thank you for coming all the way, because we live in Missouri, and this was in Illinois, so it was like at least an hour drive away to this, and but it changed his life. And I can remember in fifth grade, he won a writing award, you know, what I mean, that, that teacher by teaching him how to read you know and giving him the confidence because he was very bright it was just that you know we had this you know his brain processed differently and I think part of it was he had ear infections because we had to hire a speech therapist for him when he was very little because he couldn't hear because of his ears you know which happens a lot with kids you know um, they and if you don't have someone attuned you just you know parents don't know and But that changed his life, and he's a voracious reader. And uh, he's now, um, you know, 32 years old, and uh, reads everything. Like way before the most of us even knew about news online, he would read six sources of news. Like before he even started his day, you know, one of those. And I've often looked back, and I thought it was that teacher that made the difference in his life. What if, what if that hadn't happened? You know, he would have perhaps struggled for a long time and I, I feel like you encouraging and teaching children to become writers at an early age and and taking the perfection out of it just just let it flow i mean look at how many lives you're changing through your books through your you know working with the children with are writing i mean this is magical and wonderful what you're contributing
0: well i hope so I, i'm very passionate about it and that's a very sweet story you just shared about that teacher <laughs> That really is. Oh, she changed it. She changed his life. It it makes everything worthwhile. I just spent half of my day today on a big yellow school bus with 60 kids going on a field trip. And (laughs) it's the end of the year, and we are all so tired. And it's such a thankless profession so much of the time. And it's already hot in Houston. And, oh, my gosh. But stories like what you just related make it all very worthwhile it 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 just it's very moving to hear a story yeah. like that
1: yeah i mean i just you know it's like magically lined up like if we hadn't moved from his father's house where he was when he was in kindergarten with the 23 kids you know it's like and it's interesting the principal at the school where we went to was the wife of the principal at the school where we had just left and you know it was just it was just you know you look at it you just think oh my goodness you know i mean she could have picked any child she picked 10 she was only allowed to pick 10 and then she could have picked you know, anyone, but I know, I know that that influenced him, and he run the, won the Writers Award, you know, in fifth grade, and, you know, I mean, I know that that, that teacher influenced the rest of his life, and um, I'm going to have to share the story with him again, because he probably doesn't, you know, we haven't talked about it in a long time, but, you know, Sandra, for you, encouraging, you know, even others, you know, outside of children, um you know, what do you recommend? If some, Like for me, I know I have the story. I, you know, I have this thought and idea, but I just, and I've even outlined the chapters, you know, and I don't know if that's the best way to do it. I mean, do you have suggestions on encouraging people to write fiction?
0: Um, well, I, I would encourage anyone to get up and you could call it what Julia Cameron calls it, the morning pages. Get, but keep a journal in the morning, or whenever is convenient with you, really, but you need to free write. You need to start the whole writing process by free writing. I firmly believe in that. And you need to do it every day. It's because if you don't, it's like an athlete warming up their body by stretching out. You need to just free write non judgmentally. Don't worry about what's going into that journal, just whatever thought pops into your head. Or if you want to make it a little bit more formal about what happened yesterday, you can do that. But you need to write every day, and a lot of people balk at that. They just. Um, but for me, I've been doing it for so long. I don't. I don't have issues with writer's block at all. I have. Um, you, if if you visit my my website, Quest dot com, I've written a whole a whole blog article about writer's block. I don't suffer from it. So. For writing fiction, I think if you want to do it i would I would say anybody should should go ahead and try because we all have a story we all do we all have lots of stories, and they 're all worthwhile so i would I would encourage anyone and you know just start by free writing it. I do not outline. I was listening to an author at my school. we did this thing called One Book one school, and i 'm trying to think of what his name was. He wrote. Um, Oh, I can't even think of the title of the book, but it's about a robot who lands on a on a deserted island. And he he was talking about how how he uh, makes his stories, how he makes his books, and he talked about how he cuts and pastes and makes a whole outline of what every chapter is going to be. And I thought, oh my God, he does that so differently than the way I do it. I just sit down and write. <laughs> And, but, but there's no right way. There's no wrong way. You know, if you're one of those kind of people who who wants to outline, then outline, you know, if that helps you. I just did something which I rarely do. I, I felt like my, my latest book was going way out and left field. So I decided to write the ending that I knew that I wanted because I didn't know how I was going to bring everything back together. And so I wrote the ending. And then I dis- then rough hand, with, with just a pen in my hand, I jotted down how to fill in between where I felt like I'd gone off the rails and the ending that I wanted. There, there are no rules. Just right. write and, and pay attention to your images, your inner images, your dream images. Always pay attention to those because that's where the richest source of material comes from. Those inner figures have a nobility and an honesty that just can't be matched. They're the most authentic that you will that that you'll find. So pay attention to that. If you're not in touch with your with your dream world, you need to start being in touch with that. Start writing down your dreams. Keep a, a dream journal next to your bed. All of my animals. That's animal exactly friends, what I all recommend. Of and,
1: you know, yeah, like if you have a dream, I mean, this is for. Um, because when we're in creative mode or we're going to a next level of recalibration, oftentimes the ideas come to us when we're in dream state. So we and people say, I never remember my dreams. So what Sa- Sandra is recommending is having that dream journal right next to you or just a notebook, whatever, um, and then turn the light on, just write a few words, and that's enough. When you wake up the next morning, you'll see those words, and, and in most cases it will trigger the dream.
0: Yeah. It will, and I can't recommend that too strongly. We all need to be paying more attention to our inner life. I, I really believe that. I can't believe I'm saying that on live radio, but <laughs> people are going to think <laughs> that I'm some truth. kind of nut. But no, yeah, I no, do believe. No, no. I, I believe firmly yeah, in yes. it. I do, and all of my characters: Gore was a dream figure, Malou was a dream figure. Um, uh, the to- the tortoise that i that i i wrote last fall was definitely a dream character and then the wolves came up the howling wolves there's a, there's a whole bunch of there's a pack of wolves wandering the plain of bleak and those were from a dream they i didn't put them in the first book because i didn't know they were there they came up after i finished the first book but yeah all i really of these, all I, of
1: these, um, I i, I see i like the prairie dogs <laughs>
0: I love the prairie dogs, yes. <laughs> I, know, I don't, I don't think that they were, maybe they weren't from a dream, but I do love the prairie dogs. I really love Scout, the, the one who um, helps Wilhelmina the most. He knows everything that's going on in Bleak, if there's anything to know, you know.
1: Right, right, but he yeah. just loved this motley crew that showed up, and, they, and the big thing in the land of bleak is to share your water, and Scout's like, this is yeah. the best water in all of the land of bleak, you know, and, and that's their yeah. way, like with the prince, you know, like, here, drink this water, it will make you better, you know, like when, you know, the prince could not that's even That's all talk they have. That's, was, right, that's, right. yeah. Right.
0: They, all they have right. is water and so it's it's the highest form of polite manners and bleak to share your water.
1: It is. Okay, so Sandra, I know we can find your book through Satyama. So Satyama.com, S A T I A M A dot com, but I know that it's also through um other places. Can they find it on Amazon or what is the best way for yes. them to find these beautiful books?
0: They can find it on Amazon. They can find it through my website. Which is Willamina's Quest All One Word dot com, um, and also I'm I'm thinking of trying to do maybe bring in a virtual writers' workshop for children on my website. So you might want to just pay attention to my website, which is WilhelminasQuest.com. dot com. It's really nice. Um, but yeah, Amazon, uh, Satyama, my website. It's it's not difficult to find it.
1: Okay. It's not. All right, so we have 1 minute left. What wisdom can you share with our listeners? Just this last morsel. You've given so much in this interview and I really want to thank you for being my guest and being on the Spirit Seeker Hour. So, what final words of wisdom? Just anything you want to share.
0: Um, I would just say that everyone has a story. And it can be difficult to unearth that, dig it out, but it's so worthwhile. And everyone can write. We can all write. So if, if you've ever wanted to write, if you've ever wanted to try, to try your hand at fiction, trust that. Listen to it. And pay attention to your dreams and your inner images. And just sit down and write something every day. Just something. It's so good for you. It really is
1: healing. So thank you. Oh my goodness. So listeners, you have been uh listening to my interview with Sandra Ray, author of Willowmina's Quest. It is the first of uh, a series of six books at this point. And um remember This is a podcast, so the minute it is finished, it is available to listen to at any hour of the day or night. So, Sandra, thank you so much. I just really thank you for your gift and sharing your gift with the children and sharing your gift with all of us with your writing. So thank you for being my guest, and um, keep keep spirits uh, apprised of everything that you're doing. I will. It's been nice meeting you and talking to you. Thank you. Okay. All right. So good night, everyone. We'll be back on the air one week from today. Remember, info at spiritseeker.com has to be added to our email list, or you can go to spiritseeker.com, um, and there's a newsletter uh, uh, form there that you can fill out, and then that will alert us to add you to our email newsletter, whatever is easier. So thank you so much. Have a great week. And uh, Sandra, once again, thank you so much for being my guest tonight. Okay. Good night, everyone. Thanks. Have a fabulous week. Okay, okay. alright, bye bye.